may be seated. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I was blessed by the Sunday school. Uh, we could have used some more time and there was some unfinished business, but that's how it is often and we kind of, it opens our minds and, and opens our thinking. Amen to what was shared in the, in the Sunday school. Um, Cal Thomas writes in some of the papers and he has some good thoughts and just one of that I'd like to share with you this morning. Uh, he was saying, he was saying he's taking it out of context that you can't serve money and God. And he was saying in his mind, you can't serve uh, politics and God. And he says he sees a lot of evangelical Christians rally behind Trump. And he's uncomfortable with that. And I thought it was a pretty, pretty clear vision of if you become involved in politics and you put your put your eggs in a basket of a judge or a, or a, the president, whoever that might be, uh, that's not uh, that's not who we're to get behind. And it's times like this this morning that we're we're supposed to get behind what Christ stands for. But anyway, I thought that was a good. Uh, I need to loosen up a little bit. I'm I'm a little nervous. So I noticed uh, as I came in, there was joggers and a lot of people out for their health. And thought of the Bible verse that it helps a little bit, but not as much as spiritual stuff. So hopefully we can uh, get uh, get going. I uh, Claire Zimmerman wrote uh, and told me about. Exercise over 60. Maybe if I share this, I'll loosen up a little bit. Exercise when you're past 60. He says you take a a five-pound potato bag, one in each hand, and hold it up for one minute. And when you accomplish that, you take a 10-pound potato bag and hold it up for a minute. And after you feel comfortable with that, you go to a 50-pound potato bag and hold it out for a minute. And when you get comfortable with that, you take a 100-pound bag in each hand and hold it out for a minute. And that's where I currently am. (laughs) And when you feel comfortable with that, put a potato in each bag. (laughs) If you turn to 1 Corinthians 13... I feel also like you are getting a little close to me up here, like you can read my notes, and so if I miss something, like you can, or if something isn't worth anything, just cross it out there. First Corinthians 13. What does chapter 13 have to say to Northwoods Mennonite Church here in Hayward this morning? It's not an interruption of a discussion in 12 and 13 and 14. But it's talking about church functions and how they operated back then and how they worked through. They had certain gifts and they were, their, their method of worshiping was getting a little, uh, political or a little problematic and he was working through the details and, uh, he was talking about unity and the diversity and what it's worth and why it's a gifts and, 
and uh, so forth. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me little, profiteth me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaulteth, vaulteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three but the greatest of these is charity. And there's a wonderful set of scripture, and we use it at weddings a lot of times. And we just uh, often uh, remember these words. And, and it's taken a little bit out of, context, uh, out of its context, but what it's saying is how important love is. And yet there's some deeper meanings to it, and it's really challenging and a little bit uh, scary if you look at it real close. You know, and it, we're, if you can picture you're at a wedding and everything is beautiful and everything is thinking those th- uh, special thoughts and the flower girl is really cute and everybody is all dressed up and, and they're, they're all at their best and the food is good and you sit down and... You wait for about an hour and a half for food, and it immediately puts this whole thing to the test. And, you know, you sit down, and I thought afterwards, so you sit down and you talk to the, to the couple of uh, the parents that got married, the parents that got their couple married that day, and you say, you know, you know how it is at that time. I don't know, us men, can, or I might be alone in this, but I feel uncomfortable at things like that. And I just, you know, after a while, I want to go out and sit in the car or walk home if it's only 20 miles or so and walk it off. But uh, 
there's a lot of times where they reflect on the beauty of it and, uh, and the wonderfulness of it. And so if the husband and wife would say, wasn't that, wasn't that flower girl cute? And wasn't the food good? And wasn't the songs that we sang? The songs were beautiful. And then you'd say, but the scripture was kind of scary. They'd say, huh? Come again? What, what was scary about the scripture? But we, we use it for a different purpose. We use it for how wonderful love is. But as we look at it this morning, we're not at a wedding, so we're going to look at what, what it says. And it answers a question, why love is more, most important. And it answers, what does love look like then? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, we can have a super church. We can have absolutely uh, dynamic preaching. And the songs can be the best. And the flow can, and you can feel energy. And you can feel good for being here. And it can wrap your emotions up and it can move you. But if it's done without love, it's all worthless, it says here. And it goes on to even say, you can even take and give sacrificially. And we were talking a bit about that this morning. But you can give uh, secretly or sacrificially and do it all right and give. You know, if a person would say, you know, instead of 10% this year, I, I have been blessed a lot. And so I'm going to give 20% this year. And he'd go on and he'd say, I again had an incredible year. I'm going to give 30% this year. And the next year he'd say, I still am okay. I'm going to give 50%. And the Bible here takes it. If he decided one year, you know what? I'm just going to give everything I have away. Any kind of savings I have any kind of belongings, any kind of land, any kind of tools, any, everything that I have, I'm going to give away. And the Bible says if he would do that, but he would lack love in it as a motivation. And see, you can give without love. An example is you can give to your children so that you exercise more control over their lives. Or you can give to the church in a way to show off. Or you can, uh, there, there's a lot of ways that you can give that isn't out of a heart of love. And it says here, you could give everything you have today, and if it would be for the wrong motive, it would be all for nothing. And you can make the ultimate sacrifice. If you'd say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Africa. And I'm going to spend five years there. And it's not very hard to uh, see some of these countries melting down. And so as it melts down, uh, you become endangered. And it says you give the ultimate sacrifice. You give your life. But you do it for a reason other than love, and it's worthless. 
It profiteth me nothing. We all assume a person um, that is giving in that way is doing it from a right heart. But it's so uh, easy. We see examples in the scripture and we see how prone we are in our own life to do something, even a good thing, but out of the wrong motive. And the reason it answers this question is the reason that love is um, the most important is that that you're doing it for others and not some kind of secret way doing it for yourself. Why is love so important? Works and everything else can be pretense. It can be for showing off. It can be for ulterior motives. But when you're doing it with agape love, and we should... uh, you know, there's, there's a difference between loves here, but when you're doing it for God's love, when you're doing it for agape love, um, then it's a genuine spiritual fruit. Love is a way that God keeps score. We keep score sometimes. I could uh, relate to you, Dan, this morning when you, you said, it would be nice when we get to heaven that there is... This is all over with the, where there's some that are higher and lower and, and, and I, I, I think that too. If, if we could put all that behind us where, uh, there's, uh, a greater or lower people there. But, and I don't know how that'll be. I know it's because we don't understand it that, <clears throat> but it's the way God keeps score. Love, you know, we keep score with how successful a person is. How good-looking they are, how beautiful they are, how handsome they are, how strong they are, how successful they are, how they're successful they are in their relationships. We keep score in a lot of different ways, um, sometimes without knowing it. But God keeps score in a different way, and He keeps score by love, by agape love. That's how He keep score. And that's why it's important. That's why it's the most important thing. What he's saying is, uh, at the end of this here chapter, he says, but the most important of these is love. Faith and hope are important, but the most important of these are love. So, if that's the scoreboard that God keeps, how, what does that kind of life look like? And he goes and tells us that. He answers that. And he starts in verse 4, and he tells us two things that love is, and then he tells us about eight or ten things that love isn't. And it's, it was helpful to me, again, to, to consider this. First of all, love is patient. Uh, in the King James, it says, love suffereth long. Uh, if you want my opinion, uh, it's free. That's that's why some other translations are helpful sometimes. Love suffereth long, and love is patient. I I under I can grasp patient a little bit better. It means the same from the same Greek words. Love is patient. To the degree that you are patient is to the degree that you love a lot of times. To the degree that you are patient and uh, impatience, you know. We, we see so much of it in our own lives to deal with, and we see so much of it in our country today and in a, uh, in a society that's gone off the, 
track. But love has a really long fuse. Not quickly annoyed, love is. And it's, it's not weakness. I was thinking just this week, I was sitting with Todd and Eric, and I appreciate the way they grab a hold of things in administration. And I appreciate their patience, their long-suffering. And it's a challenge to me. Sometimes it would be easier for us as a father or for church leaders to make a decision and go with it. It would just save us all time. But sometimes long-suffering is what it calls for. And this, this is what a Christian life looks like. And the second thing that love is, is kind. So rare today is kindness that it sticks out. Road rage and bullying and harshness. And kindness is a way of life. It's a, it's a different, different way to grab a hold. Many of you grab a hold in kindness. And I saw just a, a news article of somebody uh, this last winter, the end of this last winter in Chicago, that was walking home with her husband, and they were going through uh, a little tough section of time. Somebody was sitting there, a lady was sitting there, and her boots had holes in them. And this gal uh, gave her boots, and then the lady that was sitting there, homeless, in the cold, said, but what about you? You won't have any boots then. And they were the same size. Isn't that isn't that a coincidence that God knew their size? And they switched boots. The lady that was walking home and didn't have far to go switched boots. And they had a uh, they had a good talk there. And somebody caught it on on uh, and just uh, was touched by that. Uh, can you imagine if we would all make that a goal in our life? The the 75 adults here this morning. If you would say, uh, I want that kind of godly love in my, and that's gonna rule my life. And when I see a person in trouble, or when I can go out of my way to help somebody, whether it's a person or an animal or whatever it is, but that your, your, uh, life would be, uh, kindness. Can you see what a difference that would make in Hayward? <clears throat> But it starts at home. Sometimes it's easier and, and we do it because somebody might recognize it. But the kindness uh, starts in your house. It starts with the people that annoy you and bug you. And that's what, uh, that's what love looks like. That's what Christianity looks like. Charity looks like. Love is not jealous. It envieth not. And, and uh, this can be so easy. We're so prone to wish we had some more or more. And it even becomes worse than that. Sometimes we get to the point where I don't necessarily have to have it. 
their things, their beauty, their looks, their relationship, their money. I, I don't have to have it, but I don't want them to have it. It's a, it's a cruel twist where Satan tries to take us down paths. Like in the Old Testament where these two ladies both claimed that one little baby. And the way the wise man figured it out, he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to divide it in half. And of course, the one said, yes, let's do that. And the other one says, no. And so by that, he was able to tell whose it was. But there's a weird twist that Satan takes you down. It doesn't necessarily, you get to the place... uh, Jealousy and envy if not where it's not just that you want everything, it's just that you don't want anybody else to have it. Or boastful. Uh, you know, it's, it's perfectly normal and fine for a little child uh, to boast. And it says at the end of our verses here that I used to think and, and operate as a child, but when I became older, I, I operate different there. But it's very normal for a child to come up to a parent and say, look what we did in Sunday school. Look what I colored. Uh, look what I can do, Mom. Or, or very, very early they learn to say that and they learn to appreciate a parent's approval of things there. But uh, love, here it says, is not boastful. Vaunteth. Vaunteth. Not itself. And it's a word that we don't use much today. He kind of vaunteth himself. Um, But adults are different than children. We're more subtle in vaunting ourselves. And so we uh, bring it about as a prayer request, something we did. We say, hey, I've been doing this and a prayer request for this. Are we, there's different ways we can say, Look what I colored. Look what I did. But here, here's a lesson that says, true love, we don't get our approval from showing off or being boastful or vaunting ourselves. Uh, true love, charity in our lives, we don't have to. And sometimes we make ourselves look good by making those around you look bad. And if there's anything we need to change, it's when we criticize others and bring them down. Because as we do that, there's a lot of harm that can be done. And a lot of times we do it to make ourselves look good. But uh, true love doesn't do that are proud, uh, not puffed up. There's no swagger in godly love. Uh, you know, and, and it's so easy to catch on. The, the whole world is be all you can be. Uh, assert yourself. Uh, the politicians say, I'm the best. I'm the only one that can change this. And, and our, our whole society is feel good about yourself. Be good to yourself. Be nice to yourself. And don't shortchange yourself. And uh, but godly love says um, there's there's no swagger in love. You don't have to you don't have to love 
doesn't assert itself, love gives of itself. Love puts a towel around its waist and gets down and washes feet. That's what love looks like. That's the difference between love and um, and putting yourself up there. In verse 5, Doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. So, uh, love, true love is not rude. Not, not rude. And, and again, this, you know, it's easy not to be rude to a stranger, but this here rudeness can creep in into our lives on those that we, uh, are the closest to and love the most. And, you know, we might use all kinds of excuses. And we might say, yeah, I'm blunt. God made me that way. Uh, but, we wouldn't be satisfied to say, well, yeah, I, I steal stuff. God made me that way. Uh, and and so, uh, unseemly or rude is inconsiderate, ill-mannered, discourte- ill-mannered, discourteous. Seeketh not our own. <clears throat> this is love, charity. Seeketh not our own. It does not demand its own way. A self-seeking person makes it seem like they're owed or they're going through the worst times or they're going through more difficult times than somebody else. And self-seeking causes you to lose sensitivity of those around you there. And I need to grow in this area. I, I just, uh, this last week there was a couple of incidents again that I thought, oh, man, I just, I just really need to grow in this area. One of our shops, uh, an Amish shop from Pennsylvania, was talking to me on the phone uh, yesterday or, or Friday. Friday, And they had uh, just lately had a stillborn uh, about three or four weeks ago. And he was talking about that, which he uh, doesn't find easy to talk about that kind of thing there and he said the, the little child they had a they actually had a, a funeral for it and he said it was just perfect just really perfect and i said well how are you guys, how are you doing and he said uh not too bad uh he said at the first couple weeks went all right but now it seems like we're going uphill again we're going it gets gets pretty tough and i said uh, how's your wife doing? And he said, yeah, that's, she's, she's struggling now. But he said, you know what helped? In the bud shaft, somebody wrote about that. And they got quite a few letters uh, from people that they never talked to, never knew. But people that went through what they were going through. And then he said, in his words, he said, you know, this person wasn't, wasn't English. He said, I don't think he was even a Mennonite. He was an English person from the Midwest somewhere and wrote a nice letter to his wife. And it came there just the day she really needed it. And he said another person that he didn't have a Mennonite name or an Amish name from New York wrote a nice letter. And he said it was, it was really helpful and some of you do that here. Some of you encourage But I just had to think, when was the last time that I did that? 
because of something that I went through and because of that I could help somebody else just over the hump a little bit. Another thing that happened is my sister-in-law told me that somebody that used to work for us 30 years ago called them and said they wanted to apologize to us, to myself and to Glenn about something. And I said, how did that come about? And she said, well, I saw that she had a loss. I forget whether it was a dad or what it was. And I wrote her a letter expressing sympathy or whatever it was. And through that, she knew where we were and she got a hold of us. And I said to Ruthie, I don't know for sure even if I'm a Christian. You know, when I, when I see people stepping out like this, and I'm encouraging you to do that, but when I was looking at what love means, uh, it's so easy to come up short. You know, I can stand up here and I can preach, and, and, but the bottom line is these things talk to me. And uh, I need to be better at this. What love looks like. Seeketh not her own. <coughs> uh, a definition of seeking own is typically used to describe one motive and intent to serve self above else. Behavior can range from serving one's ego, making self feel better, to using others for material gain. Seeketh her own. What what have I been chipped out of? Or what am I missing? Or what are you taking from me? Or it's my turn. Or just to, just to seek her own. Is not easily provoked. And if you've got all these handled and don't need these, maybe you can use it to, to pass on to somebody who needs it. But not easily polo- pro- provoked. Your love is to the degree that you're not easily offended. And it is touchy, irritable, high maintenance, easily offended, handle like China, brittle, fragile. And sometimes our Sunday school lessons get pretty direct. And I think that's good. Uh, earlier in this lesson, it talks about how different differences come together for strength. But in the ladies' or the men's class, if you get knocked down or you get the other side brought out, our human nature would have a tendency to be disgruntled. And what you might say is, okay, I'm not going to talk anymore. You've been there? I'm not going to say anything anymore. I'm just going to shut up. Love is not easily offended. When, when somebody does or says something or, or is something that we don't agree with, if you can deal with that in kindness and that you can have love, 
One of my favorite verses for this week is Proverbs 11 in, a, in another translation. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. If somebody does take a swipe at you. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. They were out to get you. They were going to get you. And they were after you. And you overlooked it. Gave them benefit of the doubt. He said, whatever. Uh, in in uh, King James it says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over transgression. Is not easily provoked. We had a, 35 years ago, in another world in another chapter, we had a men's meeting in the basement of a church and we were deciding whether to get a phone and where to put it. And I'm like, good, either get a phone or don't and put it wherever you feel like it. That's where I'm, that's in my heart, I'm thinking that there, you know, because a phone is a phone, but the church never had a phone, so we're going out on a limb here, and people have feelings about it. Well, before that meeting was over, one other person was pointing and hollering, and he walked out of church and slammed the door. And the effect was silence for a while, and uh, the ones around the table were kind of looking at each other. And then he came back and finished, he had some more thoughts to add, and then he stumped out. Not easily provoked is a sign that you have agape love, even if you wanted to phone or didn't want to phone. Not easily provoked. (coughs) Thinketh no evil. One uh, translation puts this as keeps no record of wrong. That you can, a sign of love, that you have God's love in your heart, is that you can't go back for many years and say what, what she said, what he did, what the boss did, what the boss didn't do. He still owes me that commission. That's 20 years ago. Thinketh no evil. Doesn't keep a list of wrongs. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. We, we feel good when truth wins out, when right wins out. And we don't feel satisfied when wrong wins and i'm going to i'm going to move to the edge end here beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things and endureth all things i just love that sentence there love never gives up love never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance i love that verse i don't care what you're going through this morning the stability and your foundation is going to be in your love for Christ. 
and it never gives up and it never loses faith and it's always hopeful and always endures through every circumstance. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, and whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, let me go to 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. And I think Paul uses these three in this set, in this uh, way uh, about six or eight times in the New Testament. Faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is love. That song, prophecy will fade away, melting in the light of day. Love will ever with us stay. Therefore, give us love. Faith and hope and love we see joining hand in hand agree. But the greatest of the, uh, the of the three and the best is love. And I want to just, in closing here, First John came to mind. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit, or has given us that agape love that's different than the three or four other different kinds of love. And if I jump ahead in that uh, chapter, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, that we may know at the end of time, when we get to Judgment Day, we can have this confidence that this love is made perfect in us. And it says we can have boldness on the Day of Judgment because as He is, so we are here in this world. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, and I think I can put in there his boss, his wife, his husband, his dad, and his mom without taking away from the text. If a person say, I'm a Christian, I love God, and don't love those around us, the Bible says uh, that's not true. Love is a choice. Love isn't an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is how God keeps score. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a love that's calling from the other side as we stand and gaze across the great divide. God our Father loves us all. Hear His tender loving call. Love will bring us all together by and by. Let's kneel for prayer.